0: Welcome back to the Upstream Life Podcast. This week, we are featuring a podcast we recorded for our friends at Mercy International. We were so moved by the conversation, we wanted to feature it on our podcast. We hope you enjoy this story as Joshua Trotter opens up about growing up in Haiti, being adopted, and moving to the U.S. Also, be sure to check out Mercy International. We will link their website below. We thank you guys so much for joining us every week. Enjoy the episode.
1: Uh, this is Joshua Trotter. Um, I first met Joshua, oh my goodness, uh, 2009 probably in a mountain village southern part of Haiti called Daymon, which uh, in, in English is Beyond the Mountain. I, I always liked that name. I thought it was a pretty awesome name. And um, I am John Leininger. I've been uh uh, involved in Haiti for over 40 years and well over 100 uh, teams to, to Haiti. So on one of those teams, I met you again about 2009. And uh, I, I think you have an interesting story to tell us. So so Joshua, why don't you start by talking to us about what you remember about your life way back when, uh, living in... Uh, the mountains in Damon, Haiti.
0: All right. Um, I lived in the village of Damon. It wasn't really a village. We were far away from people. We didn't get to see people much. We like were on our own, basically. My house was made out of um, trash and debris that we found out in the roads and stuff like that. It was like, it was a super small house, barely enough room to fit everybody in. And we had, I see, we had a goat. We, we had two goats, um, and I like three chickens, and I had my own pet chicken, and it was great. We I had so much fun with that chicken.
1: I didn't even know you had a pet chicken, yeah. so see, I'm yeah, finding out it was, things. Yeah, okay. it, was,
0: <laughs> it was a rooster, and we, we bonded. It was like my best friend in the world. I was the firstborn of my entire family, so I'm I'm the oldest out of, I don't know how many siblings now. I haven't been back in a long time, so I haven't seen what they look like. But I, I remember my mm-hmm. sister and my little brother. I remember when my sister was born. She was born like when i was like f- five i remember coming back from school it wasn't really a good education there i came back from school walked into the house and i heard my mom crying and then my friend was with me and i started crying because i didn't know what was happening and then the next day i realized i had a new baby sister and it wow. was a great experience um i was like um I was I had to do some really hard labor when I was younger I had to do um carry the water, go grab the water from the well and bring it up to the family and um I had to climb the mango trees grab pick mangoes from the trees. We didn't have that much food back then we had to um we had to steal for our food and I was really smart back then i learned I knew how to steal without people noticing and yeah. Cool. Now, how old are you now? I am twenty years old. No, no, I'm talking about in that time frame. Oh, that time frame? I was when
1: you're stealing things and oh, I was like five (laughs) carrying water.
0: Five, five, around five, which you wouldn't expect from five year olds going around carrying water in their heads with their mom. And that does surprise me because I'm the, the. Five gallon. The standard
1: five-gallon water bucket weighs about 35 pounds. And at yeah. five years old, you're not too much bigger than that yourself.
0: Yeah, so. I was always impressed with my mom balancing it on her head with the head wrap thing. Yeah. I was like, whoa, I can't wait till I can do that. Um, me and my mom had a great relationship. We were like best pals and everything. Um, my grandmother, she lived like close by. I would walk to her house and we. I, she gave me a slingshot once and I killed my first bird with it and we had that for dinner it was it was great my dad um he'd come home he was not really good to my mom he'd beat her he'd also beat me also he was he was very abusive to us and um, he didn't really take care of us like a true dad would so it was mostly my mom taking care of the entire family and and that so i didn't really have a good relationship with my dad because if I didn't do stuff fast enough to his liking, he would make me go oh. get a swish from the backyard and beat me with it. And, yeah. well, That was the... I'm
1: sorry for that. That's very... That's just not good. Yeah. And certainly bad parenting for, for that bad.
0: So, uh, like... Because that made me not uh, trust parents very much because I feel like they'd be doing something. Because that was what my environment was like, come home, and then my dad's home, and then he'd yell at my mom, beat her up, and then he'd come at me and start hitting me for no reason. I don't at all. So, yeah, that was my relationship with my dad. My mom finally got tired of it, of of my dad beating us up, and she wanted a better life for me. So she found a neighbor that had a motorcycle and then told her to to take care of me. And so she took me on a motorcycle down the mountain, and that's when we met you guys on the road. And um, that's where I met my adopted dad now because he was with you on that trip. So, So
1: Yes, we were driving in our Land Cruiser. As I remember, and your your dad was in the right seat. I was driving, and you carry on from there. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And then uh, we, I think she pulled up in front of you guys, stopped you guys, waved you guys on. She's like, "I can't take care of this kid. Can you guys do something about it?" And of course, my dad and you guys had a loving heart, and there wasn't enough room in the Land Cruiser, so I sat on my adopted dad's lap that he adopted me from now. Um, it was a great experience. I fell in love with him at like, first sight. I was My eyes were wide. I was like, whoa, never seen a white person before in my life. And I was like, this guy seems loving and caring. And then we went Well, to- well
1: I might mention that was a 12 hour trip back yeah. to the village from, from Dayamon at that point roads are a little better now but in that time frame it was a long trip and you sat
0: on his lap the whole time as i remember it. i thought yeah time flew fast i was like because we got to the orphanage and then i was like oh we're already here and stuff like that i was I seeing all these people i've never seen pe- that many people before and i got dropped off and my dad came in i was like i w- i wanted to go with him because he was about to leave then and I was like, oh, I'm going... Th- I said in Creole. I'm, I'm going with you. And he's like, no, you can't. No, you can't. Um, But he fell in love with me. And then he said, I'll be back on Friday. And then, so, when I was in the orphanage, I went around telling all the kids that I'll, I'll be leaving on Friday and stuff oh, like wow. that. And it was, it was like a couple years later that I left. I actually left on Friday. But in the orphanage, um, I was, I didn't like getting in trouble. So... Uh, I stole food, too, and if food fell on the floor, the kids were like, ew, I'd eat it because I was, like, starved. I was, like, one of the skinniest kids there and malnourished, and people took pity on me. And when um, the Americans came, they would actually feed me some food, give me, like, the best food and treat me well. And all the other kids got jealous about it. and. (laughs) When in Haiti you didn't really care where you went to the bathroom you just went where you are because I only had a shirt so I just went where I was and I would go in my sleep and I would grab the other kids clothes put it on myself and then put my wet clothes on him and roll him into (laughs) my pee so it looked like he did it so I wouldn't get in trouble about that (laughs) and then I I first my, my adopted sister that's adopted with me um, Her name's Vaggie. She, I met her in the mountains when we were like friends in the mountains. And then I realized she was in the orphanage, but she was really sick at that time. And yes. with me yes. and... She, she was... Yeah. She was nine years old, 32 pounds. Dang, yeah. She was, sick. And she was uh, super sick.
1: Let's see. Besides the malnutrition, she had TB. And we for sure didn't think she was going to live Um, when I first saw her overnight. But God intervened and she is now in college in Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. In so, college in Indiana so, doing well, well. well. Almost
0: finished too. But yeah, yeah when at that time, we, um, my dad came and came back, he's like, oh, we're all three going to get adopted together because he fell in love with us. And so Rachel, who was sev- seven, 16 at that point, was yeah. like our mother figure. She took care of us. When I, when Vega was so sick that, um, I couldn't eat her food but I didn't care I was so hungry because if I ate her food I'd probably get the sickness but I still I took food from her once one time and Rachel got really mad because she was trying to protect me from getting sick and stuff like that so she uh, she spanked me with the belt and so <laughs> I would never yeah. heard that story either <laughs> yeah she she, she she, spanked me with the belt and I was like Wee! and I cried like a baby it was it was it was a great story it was a great time to for learning experience because I, I had had to learn, stealing wasn't right, and stuff like that. And then they got adopted. I, I had, I was gonna get adopted first, but my papers didn't go through. So um, I had, I w- we went, I went to the airport with them, and then I got turned back to the orphanage because uh, my papers didn't make it through.
1: Okay, let me just uh, uh, point out what happened there. Um, it was after the earthquake. And the United States was allowing people whose adoptions were not complete to come to the United States and complete them then because of the chaos in in Haiti. Um, The Prime Minister had to sign each one of the adoption papers. And there were two in the stack that we had given him. And he just forgot to sign them. That simple. Uh, And it was chaos beyond that because the next week, they were starting to require Asian passports in a much longer process. So you kind of got uh, in, into a more difficult situation simply because he forgot to sign uh, yours and I uh, um, um, uh, thought I could remember the other uh, boy's name. But, but uh, yeah, that's what took so long. And that's why you were the last one really to come over after the earthquake.
0: Yes. And I did leave on a Friday. I got to America, like Saturday, I think. Oh, no, but it was Florida. We got to Florida and made it after six months waiting because my other siblings were already in America for six months. But they couldn't get to go to where they were at because I had um, stuff in my hair, like lice and all these germs and stuff and worms and stuff. They had to take care of me in Florida. Um, I got my hair shaved in the hotel in Florida with the, with my dad's beard razor that he had. So, I, <laughs> wow. and then he put the antibacterial um, stuff on my head so I wouldn't pass it along to those people. I was like, I was, I was so, I was super skinny. My mom could put uh, her pinky and her thumb around my thigh. That was how skinny oh I was. Wow. And now I'm pretty strong, but I've been growing up. Um, and then, We got to America. I didn't know anything in English or anything. I was like, whoa, I've never seen so many cars, so many people in my entire life. And I'd never been on an airplane before. So it was like a shocking experience for me. But I loved it. My eyes were wide open, trying to suck everything in. And how how old were you then? I was eight. I was eight at that point. Wow. So I'd been in the orphanage for like two years at that point. And then... We got to the house and I saw Duke, which is our dog, for the first time, and we bonded. I was like, oh, "I, I it was like, because I had a pet chicken, and I was like, oh, another pet." And then the dog, the dog actually answers your call and stuff like that. So me and the dog bonded. And then my brother, who's two, was the same size as me. So my mom used his clothes to dress me when I was eight. Yeah, yeah you're so, talking about a, a biological brother. Yep, yeah, yeah. my bi- my biological. Um, white brother. Yeah. 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 Okay. So he was two at that point and he weighed more than I did when I was eight years old and even his clothes didn't fit me and they were too big for me. So I used his clothes for a while. I grew pretty fast. I, I and I also learned because my mom gave us books just to test us out she gave us a picture book and i held the book right and was looking at the picture and my other baggie she, she held the book upside down because she oh, didn't gee. know absolutely anything because yeah. she was sick and she was sick before because she was been in the hospital for so long her brain was like numb and stuff like that and then in texas we moved to san antonio in texas um We lived in a pretty, really big house. In my opinion, it was like a mansion because I lived in like a closet looking house and it was trashed out and stuff like that. And we had, I had the best time with my siblings there for a year. Um, In the backyard, we would create mud. My sister would make mud pies, and (laughs) me being the Haitian, um, actually ate the mud pies because I thought it was real food because I didn't have that much food back then. I was I ate everything that was put in front of me. Um, my mom finally told me, like, yeah, that's not right. Eating mud <laughs> is not It's just so she gave me actual food. Um, and she gave me, uh, when I first ate at a restaurant, she, um, I had four plates of food, full adult-sized servings because... I'd never seen so much food in my life. So Unbelievable. I think it was Golden Corral that we went to and I had four whole big plates full with food and ate every single bit of it. And everybody was looking at me like, what the heck? <laughs> so yeah. I've always been a big eater since then. And we moved up to Alaska two thousand the end of two thousand eleven and got there about around two thousand twelve. We drove all the way up to Alaska I from that. San Antonio. It's quite a drive. Yeah. A long, <laughs> long drive. And um, ever since then, I've lived in Alaska for 12 years, learned the culture of America, gotten, um, went to church, told people my story at church. And I didn't really talk about my abusive dad much because it wasn't something I thought would affect me. But um, as the years went by, it started affecting me, affecting the relationship with me and my parents because I didn't trust them. Because of my past, I didn't trust uh, any parental uh, guidance. And I was like, not really. I didn't listen very well and stuff like that because I didn't want to um, get beaten again. I just I was like in my own world, doing my own thing. Um, and one day we went to church. My pastor, his name's Pastor Kent. Um, it was a prayer night thing and I got touched so hard. I was crying really hard um, because I heard that there's a father in heaven who um, loved me and who cared for me because back in Haiti, we did the uh, voodoo was our God voodoo. It's like the devil. We worship the devil because we had to shut every single curtain in the house, be tucked in all the way and cover our heads because if we have any body parts out we'd get grabbed and taken down to hell um so it was more of a fear factor um and we had the voodoo dolls and stuff in our house so to yeah keep the spirits away but when i learned that there was a father in heaven who loved me and wants to take care of me and not one who wants to scare me and um and burn me so i was like i was i was caught into tears because i felt Uh, true love for the first time i felt the holy spirit touching me and ever since then i've been growing in god but i've had struggles of um my father again and i've never figured out how to forgive him until like let's see three weeks ago i figured out how to forgive him um but And uh, I was going through some stuff, so I wrote a poem about it, uh, about me knocking on the door of Jesus's heart, trying to come in. So I wouldn't go through that stuff again. I can read the poem right now. I have it. I think that'd be great. um, I wrote this poem in five minutes because I was like so into trauma and I was I couldn't cry because I haven't been able to cry for like the past 12 years because I didn't know how to show emotion I still don't I'm still trying to figure that out but I haven't cried for what my dad did to me I haven't cried when my dad when I realized my dad died um I didn't cry or anything I just felt numb I just didn't know because he was such a abusive father to me and so so
1: we received word about a month ago wasn't it yeah it was a month ago Uh, that uh, your dad had um, died in an accident. We don't, and that's still all I know. I don't know if it was a motorcycle accident or what type of accident it was, but found out that he actually died in Damon. So, yeah. yeah.
0: When I, heard, you know, my mom took me to a restaurant with my pastor, Pastor Judah. He was my youth pastor, and told me that I just uh, I couldn't eat. Um, I just felt numb. I didn't know if if I was feeling sad about it or happy or relieved. It was all these emotions because my dad was not the best uh, figure in my life at all, especially at that young of an age. So, um, I wrote a poem. It's called The Knock. It was me actually praying to God and seeing if he would let me into his heart, into his life full on so I can be with him and do what he wants me to do. So here I go. Hello, anyone there? Hear my cry of desperation. Hear my voice of reconciliation. Is anyone there to hear my cries? Does anyone care that I'm alive? Can someone help me? I feel like a mold all inside, like rotted flesh in the night. I knock and no one answers. I cry out to the void and hear no reply. I am alone in my mind, my soul aches. My heart burns, my, my lungs heave. I can't breathe, let me in. I feel the burning deep point pain, pains. Something dark is chasing me. Please forgive me of my sin. Make me whole and new again. I want you to be in my life. I've been wondering far and wide. To hear your voice on this night. Let me in. Be my guide. I can't keep swimming against this tide. I carry a burning uh, burden on my shoulders. I can't walk any farther. Father, help me. Let me in. I need you now. Forgive me of my sins. So that's wow. yeah. That's that's the, amazing. Five, five minutes is all it took for yeah, that? Yeah, five minutes. That's one. Yeah. Okay, do you think of that as when you
1: accepted the Lord or what? Tell us about your spiritual
0: walk. um, I think that uh, because when I opened the Bible, went to uh, I took a picture of what it went to. It's not there, but it was it was a scripture that helped me through what I was going through, and it made me feel more loved than I've never ever felt before. It makes me feel like, and that was just a
1: verse that you turned to, yes, uh,
0: randomly. I was like, God, seeking the Lord. Yeah, I was like, God. How often to God them. will do that?
1: It's that's awesome.
0: Yeah, and I was like, Yeah, it's time for me to tell my story to others and to show them my struggle and my walk with God and to show them that anything is possible. And I've also I made it up quote like, if life was easy, then it would be called heaven. Wow. So. God said, life is not easy. It's your faith in me that will help you through this walk. And then your reward is heaven where there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more um, people beating you up, no more um, hatred. It's all love. And that's what I can't wait for. God
1: is love. And the first two, when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? He said, love the Father. Love the neighbor, so it is love. That's that's an awesome story. Thank you. So, um, uh, anything else you'd like to talk about in Alaska, or wh- how about your future? Oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go to your future. <laughs>
0: um, now I'm, I'm I I was behind in school because I didn't start school tiles. I, I didn't start American school. They started me all over again. I didn't start till I was eight, so um, you can imagine like how much I got bullied for it. But I work really hard to catch up. I did three years of school in one year just to just try to catch up, awesome. so I won't get bullied about it and stuff like that. But I'm I'm still one year behind. Not, but I it's not as bad as that's it was. Not much. now, not <laughs> Yeah, since I was starting preschool when you were eight, it's a pretty good accomplishment when you're 20 and a freshman in college. So I am now a freshman at UAA University and practicing property management. So, so that's University of Alaska. Uh, yep, University of Alaska Anchorage. And it, I like it there. It's great. I've made so many friends. I still have friends there. I have a best friend there who... We talk about everything about my life, and he would talk about his life, and it's great experience. And I hope to graduate there, and then move here, get get a get a small house, and then rent it off to people, and then go to Alaska, back to Alaska in the summer and fish, commercial fishing. During the So you've summer. done that two
1: two summers in a row yep, already, I've done that right?
0: Two two years. Get yeah. on a
1: boat and go out in the deep blue for two months. Is that right?
0: Yep. Make lots of money while I'm doing that. Yeah, sounds really nice. very hard work to me. It is.
1: I've, I've watched the series on TV, and it looks unbelievable what happens. <laughs> yeah, but, but that just says you're a hard worker. Yeah, not too many people will do that summer after summer for sure.
0: Yeah, doing that, we almost got crushed by a whale this summer because uh, it breached right in front of our boat. Oh my and it was goodness. 20 feet away and almost landed on top of our boat. It was it was a shocking experience. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> I was not ready for it. So it was a great experience. And yeah. we got the boat stuck on a sand dam. So we had to wait like two hours for the tide to come in oh, to get off. So it's
1: an it's adventure. Oh, well. it's, it's fun. Well, yeah. well, Josh, you have had an incredible life. And God doesn't make mistakes. He's... Giving you that life or purpose, and um, you're telling your as you tell your story here today. That's part of what he has set up for you to do: to share your story, help other people through their hard times uh, that have had uh, similar type of backgrounds. And um, I pray that uh, that you're led to do that, and that um, you continue to do that. Uh, throughout your life and you have many years to go so, yeah. so that's awesome it is a joy for me to see you growing into such a fine young Christian man and uh, uh, I, I look forward to watching what the Lord has for you even even past this
0: I can't wait to see what he has from in store for me I know he has great plans for me I've been prayed over a lot of times and people said I have the leadership um spirit in me like i i'll be a leader with people and i just can't wait to see what god does with that and yeah